0: I, I got fired up today. Community. I knew today would be. A, I mean, <laughs> we gotta we gotta we gotta keep it at a high level today. We do. Because today is a man, magnificent day.
1: Magnificent Dude. day in the Two Dope Nation.
0: I I mean, not overall in the world, it's not. But no no yeah 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 yeah. In the Two Dope Nation you know today. It's gonna be a great day. We it got is. got some good
1: stuff. It is, we got some good stuff today. Um, Kevin, you look like you're doing something, so I'll stall a little. No, bit. no, I'm just, oh, okay. I'm, we're good, we're good. Oh, We're good, so- I'm just, uh, hold on. Oh, Okay, here no. we go, oh, wait. I knew, see, I knew you were doing something. <laughs> Kevin found this app on his phone, and we know it sounds a little ratchet, but it's just kind of like—don't don't give
0: away the secrets.
1: Oh, my bad. <laughs> I'll edit that out. <laughs> Folks, we are so excited today. We've been we've been acting silly for about ten minutes already before we hit record, um, but we are here with the great Rodney Robinson, 2019's National Teacher of the Year. There <laughs> <Woo! laughs> we go. <laughs> And uh, before we welcome you in, Rodney, just want to remind everybody that if you like what you are listening to on the Two Dope Teachers, (laughs) our production is pretty, uh, what do we say, amateur or like just kind of emerging? It's high quality. It's high quality. That's right. It's exceptional. Uh, If you like what you're hearing, go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Shout out to Joanna Brown, who uh, heard our story about getting a two-star rating, and it motivated her to write a five-star rating for us. So, Joanna, we love you. We appreciate it, Joanna. Keep keep holding it down, teaching science in Nebraska. We know that ain't easy. Um, My boy Paul knows it ain't easy. So, uh, yeah, give us a five-star rating. It really helps us to um, connect with uh, potential listeners, move up on the charts. I think we're still at 111 in educational podcasts. We ain't even mad. Um trying to get there, but we know what but you know, you know twelve. Yo, code sw- from 112. Exactly. Code switch, we're coming for you. We're coming for you, Code Switch. For real. <laughs> we, are, we are the people's podcast. You can also like us on Facebook um, at Two Dope Teachers. Uh, also follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Two Dope Teachers and a mic. And if you are interesting and interested or interesting in helping us keep the lights on, you can go to patreon.com slash two dope teachers. Uh five dollars. Wow gets you what was that don't worry about it (laughs) okay (laughs) stay focused stay focused um five dollars gets you uh citizenship to the two dope nation we have no borders uh we welcome everybody but now we're going to welcome in just a person that we have been wanting to talk to for a really long time and in all transparency we are the ones that bailed on him the first time so it just really really uh is so wonderful Rodney Robinson, how you doing today?
2: I'm good, man, I'm good, happy to, happy to be here.
1: Yeah, Glad to have you, glad
2: to
0: have you.
1: Kev, I feel like you should say things because I just said everything.
0: It, you, you said it all, you I said it. it all.
1: This is frequently <laughs> a problem for me. Um, so uh, we will kind of hop right in to these questions. So for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Ronnie's got over 20 years of experience as an educator with Richmond public schools, graduated from King William high school in rural Virginia in 1998. 1990- yeah.
0: And I, and I'm
1: older. I'm, uh, I'm older than both of you.
0: <laughs> 96, not Hey, 96, 96. to be that year. Yeah,
1: like you, the outcasts said yeah, yeah nine, right <laughs> outcasts didn't have anything to say about 94 um <laughs> <laughs> i don't know so uh rodney received a bachelor's degree in history from virginia state university in 2000 and a master's in educational administration and supervision from vcu in 2011 started VCU. teaching yeah it uh Virgie, is, is it pronounced Vergie? Virgie, thank you, Education Center in 2015, a school inside Richmond Juvenile Detention Center in an effort to better understand the school to prison pipeline. His classroom is a collaborative partnership between him and students. He provides a civic centered education that promotes social emotional growth. The knowledge he is gaining from his students is also helping develop alternative programs to keep students from becoming a part of the school to prison pipeline, and you know, not to put too fine a point on it, uh, Rodney Robinson is the 2019 National National, <laughs> National. Teacher of the Year. And yeah. as somebody who was not selected as a finalist for the National Teacher of the Year, I respect that. It is not easy. Welcome, Rodney.
2: Thank you, man. Thank you. It's like I said, it's a pleasure to be here. You know, you guys. Are, uh, it's been fun so far. You know, we just got started. We've had a lot of fun. Can't wait to get going, chop it up with you guys. That's All right. That's it. That's
0: gonna it. Well, um, that you came through. Cab,
2: you I get... think it's funny you said 96 because my school was so small. It was actually 96 <laughs> of us in our senior class. In
0: 96. Yeah, 96. That was our model. That was oh, our like, model. 96 and 96. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Don't tell me y'all had to kick out number ninety. <laughs> oh, <laughs> number 90. <laughs> oh, we were not. We were, actually, like, we, were oh,
2: 90, we ended up
0: 95.
2: Well, oh, 90, the, oh no, no. I was just gonna say you <laughs> had to
1: make sure you had to make sure nobody dropped out. Everybody come
2: on. Like, oh, But but, but here's true. the thing. Guess who makes the most money out of all of us? Number ninety-six. 96. Number that ninety-six, didn't graduate with us. Got he got dropped it. out, took his GED, then started his own construction company,
1: and now Yo. he's a millionaire. Yeah, that, that, that's how it <laughs> he's happens. Off. He's all with his money. He's like, ha ha ha.
2: Oh, he stunted on us. He paid for our class reunion, oh. our 20 year reunion. Oh, he's so like, bad. you know what? You can just have it on my property. I'll pay for everything.
0: That's straight. <laughs> that's all right. What? He's like, I did all right. Man. Yeah, I did all right. Oh, hey, man. Hey, they're out there. They're out there. I wish I could have had the ability. I want one of those. I want one. I want,
1: that's one amazing. That oh, what a flex. I mean, I, I flexed in my meeting just now, but that's not. That that's
2: to that. I told him I respect
1: your gangster. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> that's yeah. what I told You're him at, sure. at, at the reunion. I respect that
0: gangster. I respect that. Really. All right. All right
1: all right well kevin let's get to the first question yes and, uh yeah let's let's start yeah. getting the story here
0: so rodney um you know we're always interested in the stories of how black educators educators of color become how we end up in the classroom given that a lot of us have negative experiences in school so uh why did you make the choice to become a teacher Uh, what in your background or upbringing or past experiences impacted your path to becoming a teacher? How'd you get?
2: Uh, It's my my mom, you know, my mom, she, she wanted to be a teacher, but segregation and, you know, poverty in rural Virginia kept her from, you know, graduating high school and going to college, but she kept it going. She ran an in-home daycare and took care of everybody in the neighborhood and always taught us about community. And you know, mm-hmm. she said, it's the job of, your job is to make things better for the people that come behind you. And know uh, she always preached that to my brothers and sisters and I, every kid that came through her daycare, she said the same thing. And it was just a close knit family, but just watching her interact with everybody and the way she treated people and just that whole sense of community was kind of what I wanted to do. I wanted a job where I can build up a community. And so yeah. I figured yeah. education would be the best way I could make make a community. And so I, that's what got me into it. And I've been just dedicated to helping kids like me, you know, kid, poor, black and brown kids who don't have racial representation in the classroom, who don't have a lot of experience, My goal is just to expose you to whatever you want to be in life, even if it's something I totally think is don't understand or something that I don't agree with. But if that's your dream, my job is to help push you toward that dream so that you can achieve what you want to what you want to do. And so it's just weird because. I didn't other than my mom, I think I had that with one teacher in high school that was my band teachers, the only black male teacher in my district. Yeah. You know, and, you know, he it was like I just wanted to be like him for so long, you know, because he was the you know, I had my dad and I had plenty of male role models in my life. But he was the only one from where I went that went to college that had graduated, you know, and so my goal was to be like him. And I knew I wasn't going to be a music teacher because, you know, when I got to college and saw these fingers and saw Piano 101, I figured that ain't going to work, you know. So I quickly turned to, you know, actually, my second choice was math because I've always I've always been a natural math wiz, you know, math comes if I can do math in my head like this. But I think the reason why I never went into math, because I didn't see people like me in those fields. Nobody told me that that was something to do. And so I didn't have that, you know, something I was naturally good at, but I just didn't have a love for it because I didn't have anybody to tell me, hey, you should be a math professor or math
1: wits. I had a similar experience. Like I was good at math. It was was one of these weird things. Like I always thought that things that you're good at, you like. And I didn't really like it. Um, I didn't dislike it. It was just like math is a thing that I could do. And it was, what's hilarious is that I wanted to be an architect. And I had no idea that there was math in architecture. That's how like, little. <laughs> yeah. That's how little was connected, like in in our school. Yeah. Like you know, it, and and nobody asked me if I wanted what I wanted to do when I grew up. And sure. uh, you know, so I, so it's interesting. You know, we think that math is only unengaging for people who aren't good at it, but yeah. even folks who are good at it, we're like we don't get into it that much.
2: Yeah, and it's funny because I was never pushed. <laughs> by my school like math was when I say math quiz I am not exaggerating you know I remember when I was in seventh grade we took our SATs as a part of a, a talent search program and this is when okay. you know the 800 points for math and in seventh grade I got like 650 you know and so okay. you know that's what I you know I'm not bragging but when I say math quiz, I was good at math You're good. We were You good and I remember and I think by every man yeah, And I think what, what got me out of it was when I was in 11th grade, I was gonna 12th grade, I could take AP calculus, you know, but my letter of guidance counselor talked me in to taking this another math class that didn't really count, you know. <laughs> and I'm just thinking to myself, I've gotten A's in every single math class going back to kindergarten. Oh, How did I let her talk me out of it? But that's that culture of low expectations mm-hmm. that exists for student of students of color. You know, I was I remember tutoring the kids in AP Calculus. Wow, <laughs> you weren't taking it, and I wasn't you even in the class. It. I was in, I was in like a, a made up class for seniors who needed a math credit. You know, if, I do remember. If, the in my name school, of we
1: ca- at my school we called that fun with numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, that's really so. But you ended up getting your degree in history, right? Yeah. So so talk about that transition, because it sounds like you had some early strengths and loves. Like you talk about music as a passion. You talk about math as a strength. So why was it history? Well,
2: my best teachers through K through 12 were history teachers. You know, they were the ones that engaged me, that got me out, that took me to. I remember, you know, my seventh grade teacher, when we went to Colonial Williamsburg, you know, which is a whole nother story in itself. Oh, yes. I remember
1: <laughs> I remember
2: him getting one of his friends from the College of Women Married to show me like the old muskets and how they worked and things like that, because he knew I was me and my friends who we were into that type of stuff. Yes. And so I just had good history teachers. And then on top of that, my grandfather was a World War II veteran, you know, and Thank Korean you. and Korean War veteran. Mm. But he died when I was in kindergarten. Mm. And so I think studying those things especially World War II Korea, was my connection to him and that's what got me into history and from there the love of history just sprang out it was more so I want to get to know what my grandfather did because I felt like unlike my brothers and sisters who got to spend more time with them I, when I was five he was gone so I felt like that was my connection to my grandfather so and plus I like to argue. You know history, yeah, yeah, yeah. You history. Argue oh, yeah. All history,
1: history people, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So, how how many siblings are there in your like? How many siblings do you have?
2: It's four of us. It's four of us. All I'm right. the
1: youngest. All right. It's four, and I'm well, the youngest. Almost enough for an NBA lineup. Almost. Pretty much.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I have a brother who's six, six, six. So yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. There you go.
1: That's why right. I keep forgetting that, like on Zoom and Google Meets, everybody's the same height. Like,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm only five ten, but he's six six. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, so kind of, kind of moving on. Like, there are a couple of things that you sort of made mention of, and um, in particular, you started talking about this culture of low expectations that you really wanted that you want to address as an as an educator and kind of push. Um, I would imagine that working at the Virgie Benford Educational Center, that um, there are a lot of things that people will say about your students and the community okay. that you serve. Um, so how did you come to work in that space? And how have you met those stereotypes, not only of the, the kids who are in those programs, but the teachers who teach there? Because as we know, teachers of color who serve people of color often are looked at as being less as teachers. So yeah. how did you get there and how have you engaged that work?
2: Well, um, when I first started teaching, you know, I went across the city, but I went to this high school called Armstrong High School. And Armstrong High School is the classic story of what happened to high school inner city schools mm-hmm. after Brown versus Board of Education. You know, Armstrong used to be literally the best high school in the state of Virginia, you know, producing some of the top doctors, lawyers, you know, military men. Everybody, if you were black yeah. in degree, odds are in Virginia, in Richmond, the odds are you came through Armstrong High School. Yeah. But after Brown versus Board of Education, white flight, and then just redlining, yeah. Armstrong then became the high school where you had multi generational poverty. Yeah. You had all the public housing projects fed into. You know, I think there were six public housing. Um, communities in Richmond, five of them feed into Armstrong High Hospital, wow. you know, and so it's not only sec- segregated economically, but it was racially segregated, and it just fell on hard times, but I loved it. I love working in that environment. The kids were all amazing. The, the, the community was just wonderful, and I, you know, I tell people to say, Armstrong is my heart, you know, I, you know, you know, you got to catch these hands if you start talking bad that's about right, Armstrong that's right. that's and right. the community around me because I don't play that. Yep. But at the same time, 12 years in that environment was rough. I was starting to just starting to burn out working mm-hmm. there for 12 years. And I remember I got a call, you know, from a friend of mine. She had just become the principal down at the detention center. And, you know, she's like, hey, do you know anybody who would want to come down here and teach history? And I'm like nah and then she's like let me cut the, he's like, let me cut the crap i want you to come down here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like and i was like why she's like because i know these kids deserve a good teacher and uh-huh. the prison system doesn't care about getting them good teachers yes and so her goal because before i we she had gone there the facility had been closed like the mayor and the state had shut it down because of Numerous civil rights violations. And so I was part of the new staff she was bringing in to revamp it. And then when I got there, I was so disheartened. I remember my first time dealing with the jail officials. And they said, look, you got three rules here. Keep them quiet. Don't let them fight. And don't get a suit. That was literally the expectations from corrections.
1: Low expectations, right? Nothing about education.
2: Nothing about teaching that. Education is third they they told me that education is third uh safety is number 1 legal is number 2 <clears throat> education is third and so i was like how do you teach but then also what came with that was, was nobody was over my shoulder checking for lesson plans nobody was over my shoulders checking for the pacing charts yep. and so i'm like i for the first time i had the autonomy to do what i think works for these kids yeah and so I looked at it as, this is a positive for me. And so yeah. I just started doing all sorts of things. Just anything I thought would work, I had the freedom to try. Wow. And that was with every other teacher in the school. Because my principal, you know, Tanisha Ford, shout out to Ms. Ford, you oh, know, wow. but she, she, she would always tell us, look, you guys are life and death. You guys are saving lives here. Yes. And so you need to do whatever you need to do to give these kids the skills to survive. Only thing I ask is that you keep me in the loop of what you're doing so that if somebody walks in, I can justify it. Yeah. And with that sort of freedom, we were able to do what we saw was we had intense literacy program, intense math tutoring, um, just project-based learning, all kinds of things that we started incorporating. Then lo and behold, the kids started graduating. Those who couldn't graduate were getting GEDs. you know. Yes. We um we just there was no incidents like violence at the facility pretty much was almost eliminated because we kept the kids engaged, having fun and doing things. And so then the jail people was like, wait a minute, we aren't having incidents when you guys are actually teaching. So (laughs) what can we do to make your education (laughs) programs better? And so then we got them on board. And so then it became a partnership with the, you know, with the correct, like I remember there were days where I had some of the, guards or counselors, as they call them, but they're really guards, like helping me with teaching the students and working together. And so it became just a collaborative environment where we truly, the kids truly believed we had their best interests at heart. And from that, they were able to, like I said, graduate, get their credit straight. You know, this is a horrible story, but, it all, but to me, it's a good story, but it's also a horrible story. We had a young lady, she violated her curfew to get arrested so that she could come back to us to get wow. her credit straight wow. so she could go graduate wow. oh wow you know and that's a whole no, story right. indictment right. on the system yes but it's a it's a good thing about us that she uh, trusted us That's pace because she that knew like a, she knew a violation charge they'd keep her overnight and send her home but right. when that, she came in she was like look this is what I need sent to the school. This show them that I did this because we teach our kids how to advocate for themselves. Yeah. You tell them that's number one. You have to be able to sit down and have a conversation with the adults about what you need, you know? Yeah. And so with that, it just came all kinds of success now. And, and even though it's good, we we do experience a lot of failure because, you know, some of our kids, you know, it's just no matter what we do, they're they're just too far gone. That's
0: right. They, they,
2: you know, they've been in the system since some since seven, eight years old, and we can do what we can to save them. But you know, society has already damaged them to the point where we can't. You know, no matter what we um, do, yeah, you know, we can't make that much of a difference. And so I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say everything is great. We no, we sure. lost just as many kids as we saved. But the fact was there weren't any kids being saved before we started right. started what we were doing. So. You know, but I mean, I love it. I, you know, I often tell people that all the time because, like, because people are like, oh, how do you work at the jail?" Blah blah blah, yeah. blah 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 you know? <laughs> blah. I was like, "Let me tell you this. I can do your job. Can you do mine?
1: Period. Right. I can come.
2: Period. I can come teach your kids. that. I can That's come right. out to the. I can come out to the deep suburbs and teach AP and yep. all that. But can you come into, you know, inner the city into this jail and relate and teach these kids? Man. You know?
1: No, that's so real, that's so real. I I taught it wasn't the same as a um as a detention center, but I taught in an alternative program the first eight yeah. years that I was teaching and like two things that I really relate to that you said. The first was the level of autonomy because that is the flip side of teaching kids at society. Like they they always debated closing our school because there was a literal debate on the school board as to whether kids who are up for expulsion should get an education. Like that was a real yeah. debate that was happening when I started there. Um, yeah. So, we had a lot of latitude to do things. And so, I just started being like, we got black and brown children. Let's just talk black and brown history. Let's, let's, exactly. deal with that and, let, exactly. and let's, exactly. in this and, and build it up. And then, the other thing, when you sort of talk about what, what you face when you're working in that, in a population of young people that has been neglected and damaged um, by societal conditions, you know, sometimes students are coming in with trauma that, yes. Uh, you know that that is painful to be connected to, and um, yes. and to your point, you know you're not always successful with everybody, but um, but but I think that's such an understated point that you're in a position to to truly make a difference, uh, because these young people want to learn, they yeah. really do, you know. Um, yeah,
2: I mean, these kids are brilliant. They they're so brilliant. I think that's what people don't realize is like these kids. Like I've had kids. When I researched their history, they were in honors classes. Yep. They scored off the charts on most aptitude tests. But the schools have just pushed them out because <laughs> of their behavior or whatever trauma they was dealing with. Yep. And I have to tell people to also bring this up. That another reason we were successful down there is that we were fully funded. You know, I, I think that makes a difference. Ah, we had absolutely. a case. <laughs> we had a, a social worker, we had a psychologist, we had a sped case manager, you know, we had a career person, like we, the first time in my life, I went to a fully funded school, remember
1: those. Was,
2: was in the jail, you know, but that that says a lot about society,
1: yeah. the fact
2: that I had to go teach in a jail before I got a school that gave the kids the
0: services they needed to be successful. Bro. <laughs> That's amazing. It's, it's very telling. It's very telling about our society. Yes. So, like, I I love your story because, like, I am the type of person. I've been Gerardo. i probably mentioned this to you a couple times, but like, I've always thought about. I'm like, I would love to go teach kids in a detention center. And I studied, uh, you know, when I was um, when I was doing my teacher ed program. My I taught a street law class. Um, was the class where I got to teach my uh, unit in. And I wrote it around the prison industrial complex because I, I felt like you know this was a community uh, where a lot of students had incarcerated family members, right? The police pulled up right at the back of the school. It's really the first place where I, I truly think I felt I understood what the school to prison to the pipeline was. because the kids the kids would get tickets. There were uh, three schools located in the building. If they went to the second floor where the library was, you get a ticket. If you're caught on any of the other floors, you get a ticket. You know, the cops pull up every afternoon uh, and literally on the back uh, patio. This is the school where Gerardo went, you know, like the same way you feel about um, Armstrong. This is, the way, this is the way Gerardo feels about this school. Um, That's right.
1: Yeah, the you know, manual high school. I had to throw it out there. Know, know. So, All right.
0: You know, and <laughs> so I've always I've. I've always um, been a student of the prison industrial complex, and so I'm just uh, wondering what should our listeners know about teaching at a juvenile detention center. And I'll tell you, the main person who prevents me is my wife. She's like, "No, you can't work at the jail." And and so, what what should I tell my wife? What's what 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 do I need to know about working in the detention center?
1: Yeah, but don't be too don't be too persuasive because I need this brother <laughs> in my in my building. <laughs> 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 He's not gonna leave me. anyway. Yeah.
2: What I tell people, and it's not the advice that you that you think you're gonna hear right now, but you got to be a master of pedagogy. You know, mm. and it is to me like if you can't teach, you can, you don't need to be in the in the jail because sure. you have kids coming to you on multiple levels. Like I have a class, I have a kid in AP classes sitting next to the kid with the intellectual development
0: of a second grade. Oh, so you have the you have the spectrum. You have yes. the spectrum. And
2: so, as an educator, you literally have to be a master of pedagogy to work in a detention center. And I don't think people are like you know, scared like you don't need to be scared or nothing like that because kids act whatever expectations. Yes, yeah. That's you, right. We know. Yeah, that's we right. know. And, um, I often say, whenever something happens in the classroom, I am in, and that's been throughout my whole career, is something that's out of my control. Yeah. Something that's happened before they get into the classroom. Yep. Something that I can't control. You know, but that's what it's all about. You better be a master of pedagogy. You better be able to adapt and differentiate. You Mm -hmm. know, I had some kids that were some, they were some new students. I mean fresh teachers. I say fresh. They were new to college, out of college, but fresh detention. They wanted to teach in the detention center. And I said, no you need to go to a school and learn the pedagogy, learn the craft learn,
0: learn for a for couple a years
2: before you come here. Because if not, it's going to eat you alive. you are not even going to be able to keep up because nope. you had like, I literally could have 10 kids in, in a class and have 10 different subjects, you know? Wow. Wow. And so, like I said, education came third, you know, yep. I wasn't joking on that. Like they put kids in, you know, classes based on charges, based on what neighborhood they're from, based on legal situations. Yeah. So you like I said, you could have 12 graders next to sixth graders in the same class.
1: Yep. And
0: schedule,
2: so you have that's to, that's the, schedule. the scheduling and they, is and like they need, look, look, yeah. how it gotta be.
1: And they all need different things. They all need different kinds. Yeah,
2: exactly. And so that's why I tell people all the time if you're not a master of pedagogy, you don't need to go into detention because those kids ready. deserve high quality education. Yeah. Definitely. They deserve quality education. And if you're not ready they're gonna, it's gonna eat you alive. You're not even gonna be able to keep up with the daily schedule if you're on a master of pedagogy.
1: Oh man. There so,
0: you. so just like to connect to that point that they need, uh, you know, masters of pedagogy, like you said, how do your students and colleagues react when you were named national teacher of the year? And yeah. how, how do your students, right? Like, because that has to gas them up a little bit to be like, yeah, they were, oh, wait a minute. My teacher is the teacher Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> they, they were high I mean they were high I remember when um when um like I left after they made the announcement on CBS this morning one of my principals sent me a video of the kids in the classroom watching it and they were oh. cheering and all happy and stuff and so that like okay. that was CBS, the best thing
1: CBS this morning didn't come into your classroom
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know? you would believe how hard a time I had explaining to them. You cannot come into our school. <laughs> you cannot bring cameras. Bring- it is against the law. And yeah, like they fought and we, we had to film our little vignette and we had to sit down with them and say, this is what you can do. You can't, you know, like explain <laughs> it to them. Yeah. And it's like, it was just, that was the hardest thing for them to understand. Like, Hey, you cannot do a live announcement from our school. You'll be <laughs> violating a million laws if you did that. <laughs> and they never fully understood that until But Rodney, they came. this will be great TV. This will be great <laughs> TV, Rodney. No, they understood it once they came and they got broken down the search.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they understood it. They
2: realized uh, it real oh, quick, oh, like, oh, okay, this oh. is an actual jail. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> You know, but I mean, they were super hyped. And it's weird because I remember they were trying to do a celebration the day after I was named at my school. And so I was like, yeah, cool. I'm gonna celebrate with the kids. But then the politics got involved, the politicians and and some, was some stuff going on at the jail. So it was just like oh. it's not safe to have the kids out. And plus the politicians want to be come, be involved. And so they had this big celebration, but my wow. students couldn't come. And so, and if you go back, and i, I got to find that video. If you look at that, I really could give two flying, you know, what's about what was going on that day. I was just sitting yeah. there with my hand next to my hand, like, you guys can say whatever. My kids aren't here, and that's really what this is all about. But luckily, you just had those students. I had one student who's currently a teacher. He was actually one of the ones featured in the CBS. Thing. You know, one of my kids from Armstrong, he organized all my former students from Armstrong to come. Wow. And like, so they all came in at the same time. And that like, wow. I mean, that, that's what made that day. Because wow. I was mad that my kids were oh. locked down in the cells. Yeah. But when I saw those kids, and I remember when the thing was <laughs> over. <laughs> it was like, you know, all the like the mayors, state representatives, all these people in the room. They want to shake my hand. I just walk right past them like you guys aren't important. Uh, you know, and I went and hugged all my former students and took pictures with them. And literally made all the politicians wait. Because this at this point it's not about you all. It's about the, these are the kids that I'm representing. The exactly. under the kids that don't get that voice. Exactly.
1: You know? Oh man. That's I love beautiful. It. <laughs> beautiful. Well, listen, we're going to take a break. Uh we're going to pay some bills and uh, we'll be right back mm. after this.
0: Yeah. can I tell you what they ask me to do? I like it like like, you okay, like you. Like you're a big fan of you. I a you.
2: As a student, how many black teachers
0: did you have? Your answer is two or less. You are not alone. We know that black teachers are under attack. And with all the conversation happening about black teacher recruitment, shouldn't we be talking about retention, too? So where are all of our black teachers? I'm so glad you asked. In the new monthly podcast series from Tudo Productions, the exit interview coming in late January, Asia Lyons. Hey, y'all. And me, Kevin Adams. Talked with former black educators who've been pushed out of the classroom.
1: We want to know their stories. Who or what made them leave? How was their family affected by the push-out and most importantly, what are they doing now that they've left the classroom?
0: If you'd like to be on the exit interview, reach out to us on Instagram and Twitter at Tudope Teachers or email us at 2Dopeteachers at
1: gmail.com. Yo, what's up, two dope peoples? We are back. And in case you, for some reason, started this halfway through, we are talking with Mr. Rodney Robinson, the 2019 National Teacher of the Year, and uh, just chopping it up about his experiences and his past. So if you missed the first half, listen to the first half. What are you doing? Listen to the whole thing. Uh, what, so, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, So you've talked a little bit about your interest in uh, serving in, in the juvenile detention center that you serve in, Um, and you've mentioned an interest in sort of uh, pushing back on the school to prison pipeline and and disrupting that. So I think we could say you're in a prime setting to really discuss this school to prison pipeline. What insights have you gained on the issue of mass incarceration and the school to prison pipeline from these uh, professional experiences?
2: Well, for one thing, I'll be honest, when I first went down there, the one of the reasons I did go down, there, and I mentioned this earlier, was when my principal asked me to come down it, come yeah. work there. I wasn't sure I wanted to do it, you yeah. know, because, number one, I'm claustrophobic. And so yeah. that's yeah. the last place you want to work when you're called to Yeah. in jail. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that and so, but that was also the first time that the U.S. Department of Education released their first full comprehensive study on the school to prison pipeline. OK. And Virginia was the number one state for mm-hmm. referring students from school to law enforcement. Wow. And so that to me was sort of like this is a sign. It's like you, know, you can read yeah, I can read books and all that, but I believe in field experience. I want to go down here and learn from the kids. And I remember the first day, um, three kids that I had failed the year before from the comprehensive school, Mm -hmm. they were in my first class at the jail. So I was like, that was a wake up call. I failed these kids and now they're here in jail. And then, because they weren't, They they were bright kids. They should have passed easily, but just circumstances kept them out of school, kept them in trouble to where they couldn't attend class. And so I just began to say, wait a minute, what are we doing in education that's pushing kids out of school, that are pushing them into jail? You know, and I started looking at everything from attendance policies to -hmm. grading policies Mm -hmm. to discipline policies. Everything is designed to be punitive and push kids out of school. Yeah. And we know when kids on it, you know, people's like, "Oh, you could end up in jail if you're if you're not in school. If you if you're not in school, you're not learning. That's, that's number right. one. That's you right. know you can you know that's that's it. I think the dumbest thing we have in school yeah. is suspensions for tardiness and choice. Yeah. Yes, right. That, let me get this straight. So you don't come to school, so your punishment is. We're not going to allow you to come to
1: school, school, which is a place that you are not currently going. Yeah, I feel like I feel feel like I'm having a Don King moment.
2: Only in America. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And so then it was just like, okay, so I understand the school plays a role. And then on top of that, I start talking to my kids. The vast majority of them, their first charges were at school, Mm -hmm. whether it be disorderly conduct or resistant arrest. an SRO, that's usually where your first charge ends up. And so first thing I did was I got to learn more about the system. So not only did I talk to the students and what they were experiencing, I started talking to the judges, to the public defenders, to probation officers. I just need to learn more about the system. I even went to Yale University. We had this thing, Yale has this thing called the Yale Teachers Institute that my district is a part of. And we go up to Yale and we learn from Yale faculty and we write curriculum units. You know, our faculty member happened to be James Foreman Jr., you know, oh, wow. son of former civil rights worker, James Foreman, yes. and Pulitzer Prize winning author for locking up our own. And we learned about the prison system. And so I wrote an entire curriculum unit for my students at teachers.yale.edu. Got to plug it. But (laughs) you know, about the Virginia, there was the history of prisons in Virginia and the juvenile justice system Mm. because I wanted my kids to make better decisions when they went to courtroom. We send these kids into courtrooms blind. They had public defenders they who are over, like I would say, if you think teachers are overworking underpaid, you should see what public defenders go through, you know. Mm. You know, and so I wanted my kids to be able to advocate for themselves to say, hey. I know enough about the system so that I can make a decision that's going to affect my life. You know, I have one kid. I never get, he was faced with six months in jail or 10 years probation. And we sat down and we had a long, long discussion about what that entailed. Yes. You know, and he, you know, and I was like, so what are you going to do? You got six months and you're free to go or 10 years over your head. What are you
0: going to do? Right. And they can drop it any time.
2: Yeah, he chose the 10 years, but in the end, I didn't agree with that, but I felt better because at least he made an informed decision and his parents made that informed decision, you know, and so I disagree with it, you know, but he made a, a decision based on information. And that's Based what I want his to yeah
1: in his own um understanding yeah, yeah
2: yeah and so you know and that's what I want I want my kids to be able to advocate for themselves and I also learned about how just how bad the system is this system this prison industrial complex people don't understand how ingrained the system is and how it chews mm-hmm. our kids up like in Virginia we have a point system you know for every time a kid does something. In the street, they get a point. Whether it's an arrest or misdemeanor, you get points. Once you get a certain amount of points, then now they have to hold you in jail until your trial. And then your trial, when you get to court, they just smack you on the wrist until you're 14, 15, 16. We're going to get a little serious. Then you do something at 17. We now got you because we're going to take all those other charges that have been building up for the last three or four years And we're going to put all of that on top of this charge. So now you're in jail until you're 20, 21 years old. And now you're in the system, you know, and I tell kids all the time when they come in at 13, 14 for little stuff, I was like, look, man, the system, you didn't get away with nothing. You know, you're you're not getting away with it. They're building a case against you to send you across the street. Don't graduate. And when I tell them don't graduate, it's, it's yeah. A joke we had in the jail yeah. because literally the adult jail, like most urban centers, is yep. right, across right across the street from the, street. the juvenile. Yeah, we jail. want to
1: make it really clear right now that 2019 Teacher of the Year, Rodney Robinson, is not <laughs> <a> <laughs> discouraging high school graduation. No it's a metaphor.
2: <laughs> no, it's a metaphor when we tell them don't graduate across the street. That's, that's right. right. That's right. That's, that's right. what you're gonna do if you graduate. That's what them their plan is for you. What is your plan for yourself? Yeah. You know, how are you gonna beat the system? How are you? gonna be successful because it's not meant for you to win but if if we work together and you do the things you need to do you can beat
1: it yeah yeah it's ostensibly um you can't win but you can definitely lose and Mm -hmm. um and i think that's such a powerful statement um wow that's that's amazing yeah
0: so Rodney, one of the things about you that when I read your story was your experience as, as about your experience as the National like. Teacher of the Year caught me like, I was just like, wow. And, and you instantly became one of my heroes. But so, so usually the National Teacher of the Year is recognized by the president, Right. Can you take us through? So, so, so. Wait, you, did we
1: have a president for four years? I don't so, know. So, yeah. you yeah. won in
0: 2019, correct, my brother? Yes. So, yes. so, so, <laughs> we had a very, uh, I guess, unique president at that time. Can you take yeah. us through how that experience went down uh, when you went to go <laughs> and, customarily, and, and 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 only one time. Has the president not recognized the National Teacher of the Year? That was in 1982. So what? what when he was recovering
2: from a gunshot wound. Yes.
1: He, okay. <laughs> <so> <laughs> literally, he got shot. That's why he couldn't be there. <laughs> so so yes. tell, tell us
0: about your experience. Go to th- get. Let's hear about this experience. This is like.
2: Oh man, I could fill up the rest of the show in another hour talking about this, <laughs> that experience.
1: Well, we still have but, one extremely important question. So yes,
2: yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but, it was it was unique because you said it was unique. First of all, you got to understand how the White House. That, I, I say you have to put this in the context of how the administration, how organized they were. So that was from the jump. This is an extremely unorganized administration, <laughs> yeah, and so. I remember CCSSO were trying to nail down a date. How, when are we going to have a date where we actually go to the White House? And I remember sitting at a table when they got a call from the White House and they were like, hey, we have a date. We have this date. We're going to go on Monday. I can't even remember the date off my head. We're going. We're going. I was like, cool. You know, I get to go. I get to go to the house my ancestors built. That's
0: right. You know, that, that was literally
2: that was literally my mindset. Yeah. You know, and but then they said, oh, by the way, you're not going to get your award from the president. You're going to get it from someone in the administration, possibly the secretary of education. And so I was like, what? He's <laughs> like, oh yeah, but don't worry. We got how am I gonna handle this? And they were like, what do you mean? And I was just like, that was the moment I was like, this year is gonna be hell because they don't understand the issues that come along with being a black man in this situation like not one person at that table had thought about hey the president is not going to meet with the black national teacher of the the year year. (laughs) how is he going to how are we going to deal with this public relations issue no one at that table had that thought but me and i was just like hey what do i do you know this is like i'm new to this at this point like i'm figuring it out yeah and so they're like what do you mean i was like (laughs) <laughs> they don't you know, but then I talked to the, you know, the president of CCSSO and she understood, you know, she was like, look, he's going to meet with you because the PR machine is already at work, you know, you know there are civil rights organizations that have already contacted the White House and, you know, Jumping so,
1: in, and like, you know, but on, even if. Happening. Now, even before the tweet or after the tweet?
2: (laughs) The tweet came months later because. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, things were so crazy. I was getting death threats, all kinds of craziness at this point. So I was just like, look, I just want to go into the house my ancestors built, you know? And so I was like, well, we're not going to have the ceremony in the White House. They invited us to the. To the White House grounds, but we didn't go into the White House at first.
1: Where were you going to be? The parking lot? There's
2: it <laughs> the Eisenhower building, which is on the White House grounds, but no. it's not the White House. You're it's not going to gonna Os- be,
1: not gonna be at the White House. You're going to be House. by the White House.
2: Yeah, that was literally what I was told. And I was like, that's not fair. I was, I'm, yeah. you know. Every other teacher that he has gotten that right. I should have that right. That's right. You know, and it's like, I don't care about the president. I'm not even going to mention his name. Yeah, I want right. to go into the house my ancestors built. That's right. And so, and I remember I was given the award by Betsy DeVos, and that was just the whole thing, yeah. you know, because <laughs> like, at first I submitted, like, they had me submit my speech ahead of time, and they said, no, you can't say this. Because it was just critical of every policy they ever made.
1: <laughs>
2: and so they were
1: like we have some suggestions. <laughs> no, they just said no. It's like you're
2: not we're not gonna allow you to speak, you're just gonna get your award from Betsy DeVos. Well, uh, and we're gonna take a picture and that's it. And so at this point, I'm 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 legitimately pissed at this point. Yeah, yeah. It's like you've taken everything out of this, and so the whole day was just completely just ruined, not to mention, there was a lot of stuff going on in the State Teacher of the Year cohort. And so I was just like, "Yeah, hey, I'll just go do this. But then when the ceremony started, Bessie DeVos is 30 minutes late. She shows up, she has no idea what's going on. They give her a piece of paper to read a script to, for, for the award, you know? And so I was like, she has no idea what's going on. I'm gonna ask her, can I say a few words? You know, <laughs> and so and so I remember when she gave me the award. I was like, "Can I can I say a few words?" And so she's like, "Sure," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so I reach in my jacket. I remember I'm pulling out the speech, and I can see the people in Department of <laughs> Ed on uh, off stage panicking. They're, they're and off. So I read my speech. You know. <laughs> And the speech is, and it's a funny picture. I always post, I posted a picture on social media of her just standing behind me smiling while I'm criticizing every policy. Now, keep I never say anyone by name. Nope, I nope, only nope. criticize policy because I've right. learned the second you say a name, you've now given father to, you know, the crazies. Yep. And so, and I gave my speech. And then it was funny, when I finished my speech, I go back to my wife and to, you know, the representative from CCS so. they were like, that was good, but you rushed your speech a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> you didn't see Secret Service debating whether or not to come snatch <laughs> your out of my hand. <laughs> I was happy I got through listen, that without listen, someone tackling hurry. me.
1: I had to hurry. <laughs> you you know, know I, mean? I, I,
2: I could see that debate out the corner of my eye. The Secret Service talking to the Department of Education officials about should they come take the mic out of my hand because they didn't want me to speak. And so then after all that, you know, they tell us they take all of our phones and they say, we got a surprise for you. And I'm like, ain't no much surprise. And so they send us into the White House and then we go over to the White House. And, you know, Trump's in entertainment mode because I think the Baylor, the Baylor women's basketball team had just left. There was like another group. So he was in entertainment mode. He was mode. Hyped He, was, up.
0: he, was, hyped he up. was
2: actually, I tell people this show, he was actually the most pleasant of everyone I dealt with that day.
1: Wow. Um, he was the most pleasant
2: of everyone. Mostly because he was That's, feeling
1: himself, probably.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was, was in entertainment mode. He was that that center of attention. Everybody comes in. Yep. You know, and so you know, we go in and you know, I take my picture. I literally was in and out. Of the Oval Office for like maybe a minute, long <laughs> enough to go in, take the pictures, then I'm out. You know, everybody else is in there taking pictures. And it's funny because people are like, I can't believe you did that. I'm like, the reality is I knew it hurt him to shake my hand more than it bothered me Here because you. he didn't want to do it.
0: Here you
2: me. know, he was forced into doing this. This is something that they're making him do. Yeah. This is something that I'm old and he has to do this for me. Oh. You know? And I could have went in and said, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. But it don't matter. They don't listen. They don't That's care.
1: Right. That's,
2: right. That's right. <laughs> you know, Bessie Duvall, she doesn't care. She's rich. Yeah. You know, I was just an inconvenience in her day or something she yep. had to do before yep. she went back to her yacht. And so I tell people that it's like, what's the point of going in there and kicking down the doors and making this big political statement? All I'm doing with that is endangering my life. Because I now have to go travel across this country by myself into places where people actually love this guy. That's right. And last thing I want to do is, you know, be remembered as the guy who did something like that. And now I'm in Lexington, Kentucky, you know, waiting for Uber. You know what I mean? That that was was in my mindset. And so I just went through the day. And in the end, it was just a moment I can say, I stood in the Oval Office, I stood in the house that my enslaved ancestors built, yes. you know, and in the end, I got what you didn't want to give. me. And that was my trip to the Oval Office. And so I'm not gonna let that deter me. And plus, it was a conversation I had with my students. That's right. I was like, what, do you, what do you think I should do? And they was like, yeah. you should go you should go
1: really, you
2: know, make him, make, make him, you know, look you in the face, make him do this, you know, he don't respect you, you know, make him respect you. And that was just like, that was my motivation. This is them. I'm here to represent them yeah. right now. And I'm not even going to let politics, I'm not even gonna let all the other craziness that's going on right now, distract from me being up here to represent my students,
1: yeah. you know,
2: and then, you know, afterwards I spoke up because, I found people trying to twist it and use me as a pawn. Yep. And I was just like, no, it, it didn't go oh, down no. the way that you all think it went down. Yeah.
0: They
2: they made it seem that way because they took all camera phones. They took everything yep. that the official White House photographer was there to take. You yep. know, you guys yep. saw literally 15 seconds out of my day, mm. you know, <laughs> that 15 seconds they wanted you to see. And so I told them mm-hmm. like, I'll be quiet about it until you try to use me as some sort of conservative pawn. Yep. And that's what I'm not. And so that's when I spoke up about it. What we're
0: not going to do. Yeah, exactly. I
2: can hear my mom in my ear saying that. What, what we're not going to do is send, send me out there shaking his hand like I'm Candace Owens or someone <laughs> of that bill. No, we're, yep. we're not going to do that, you know. And even when that article came up, I remember people sending me the picture and tweeting me the picture. Is this you? Is this you? And let's be honest, a lot of black people out there too. Yeah, that were on, that were on my case, you know. And I was just like, y'all know nothing about me. How are y'all <laughs> gonna call me a out and all this? And that that whole experience taught me, no matter what you do, people are gonna have something to say. Yeah, people on the left to the people on the left i was the uncle tom sellout to people on the right i was the black panthers reincarnated you know so <laughs> i'm just gonna do me this entire
0: year and let the chips fall away that's me. it that's it Dang. let it speak for myself let, 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 let my actions <laughs> speak for who i am yeah yep that's right
1: wow um how, how was your year
2: <laughs> I went off. I, I'm saying loaded like
1: this. Question, loaded question, right? I'm gonna say like this.
2: It was an experience I wouldn't trade for anything in the world because okay. I learned so much about education. I met so many just dope black and brown educators across the country who are doing yeah. this work. Yeah. You know, I met so many dope white educators across this country who are doing the work. And so I wouldn't exchange that for anything in the world, but it was also traumatic. Yeah, you know, yeah. traveling as a black man in this country mm-hmm. is traumatic. Going to places where you have no idea where you're the you get off the air, get out <laughs> you know you get to the airport and you're the only brother in town. Yep, you know that that type of experience, and so that was very traumatic. The constant microaggressions yeah. you have to deal with from people in education, yep. the the harassment I've from day one, I started getting threats and all kinds of craziness. And I'm like, I haven't even done anything controversial. (laughs) But just the fact I was a black person speaking, you know, got me all kinds of hate. I remember one of the things I did with my kids when I first got back to the school was I sat down and opened all my mail. Like I got letters from all around the world, which was just an amazing experience. I still have those letters, wow. but in there, those letters was some crazy hate stuff, wow. you know. And so we had conversations about it, and and so I would say it was traumatic. I'm still unpacking a lot of trauma that I went through. One, I said the biggest thing I trauma is I have a hard time trusting people, yeah, because when you get a large platform, everyone wants to use you to promote whatever they want and try to take advantage of your platform. And so that led to just a lot of mistrust. And I'm still dealing with that, trying to get back because I'm an open, happy-go-lucky guy. Before a full year of my life, I had to completely shut down who I was as a person. And then the pandemic, you know, (laughs) comes along. And so now it's like, as we start to open the country back up and I'm starting to interact with people, how do I trust people again you know and that's literally something I'm struggling with every single day is how to trust people how to move on but at the same time I'm 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 happy for the experience it was a life-changing experience you know and it was just an opportunity to see education from a from a high level so often when we're doing the work we're stuck in the work you know it was nice to be pulled out of the Mm -hmm. work And not only see it from a different point of view, but see what everyone else around the country is doing. And see some people are doing it great. Some people are just absolutely horrible at it. But it just gives you a new perspective. And I remember, like, I know I had very few of the same views that I had before this experience still exist. Hmm. A lot of my views on education and just schooling in general have changed because I've seen it from multiple levels at different states from the state level to federal level. Yeah. You know, I, I was like, whoa, this is a problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're just <laughs> stuck in your little world when you're like, educate our worlds are small.
0: Yeah, you know?
2: yeah, right. We, we we're stuck in, you know, in our school, in our community in our and, class
0: we're, yep, and,
2: yep. and it's so hard to work that we immerse ourselves in it because we want to see it do better. But when you get it, this huge view Yep. From other, from other higher places, it's like, wow, my world was small, you know. Now that I got in this platform, what do I do to expand this message? Yeah. You know, I often tell people I knew I wasn't going back into the classroom early in this experience because as I traveled, I didn't see very many people that looked like us right. in these rooms making these decisions. Yep. And so I feel if I have a platform, I need to be in these rooms making these decisions or at least speaking up for people who look like us in these rooms and kids who look like us because there weren't any in any of these rooms and odds are if they did look like us we know the whole saying all skin folk ain't kin
0: folk." Yes, yeah, right you no know i right. mean that's you
2: right. know so that was like my calling Is like if i could have went back in the classroom i tell people like this but to me it would have been selfish to go back in the classroom it would have been really selfish it's like i've been blessed with a platform so let's use this platform to start tackling these inequities to start speaking on these issues you know and my my whole thing coming out of this was what i'm here to save students i'm not here to save systems
1: Mm, you know because far
2: too long these systems have failed us you know my, my boy dr charles coles always says. You owe these systems
1: nothing. Nothing,
2: you know, nope, that's right. and that's what you know, and that's what we, we don't need to save our schools. We need to save our students, yep. save our children save from this system. And that and that's the part of this experience that I will always love, that I was able to make an impact and see things. Just the culture. I mean, you know, <laughs> I tell people, do you know what it's like to just have random black people run up to you on the street? And I like people. Who have all these great titles? I'm talking about teachers, yes. these custodians, <laughs> everyday people. It's like, yo, you the brother that's the National Teacher of the Year, you know yes. those type of things. Like, that's what made it worth. It's just being recognized. I remember when I went to the, the to the Capitol just to meet with my senator and like seeing the Capitol police officers and the cafeteria workers recognize me. Wow. Yes. You know, you know, the brother on the taxi in D.C. that stopped me or, you know, stopped to pull this taxi over to take a picture <laughs> ah. because he recognized me from those are the moments that can't be well, matched. Well, those yeah. life fulfilling moments, like I said, the connection to the people, yeah. you know, and that's why I, felt, I honestly felt like I rep, like people looked at the National Teacher of the Year and said, hey, that brother, that brother I can relate to. For the first time in a long long time yep they had that they had somebody they felt represented them and that that's uh i mean that feeling can't be replaced ever in life
1: oh so beautiful yeah uh, thank you for sharing all that uh, we love it
0: we love it we love the story <laughs> of your experience and just how like like you said you got yours you got yours you exactly did it, you did it your way
2: yeah, I'm now still in therapy because of what I went through. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's
0: a whole other thing. Yeah,
2: yeah oh, but you know, we we I did it my way and I'm happy. God. And you know, hopefully I made things better for the next, you know, person of color who wins teacher of the year that comes along. Yeah. And that's yes. really what it's all about. Yes. That goes back to what my mom said. It's about making things better for the people that come behind you.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, you know, uh Rodney Robinson, this has been incredible and powerful we do have one more question do we not get <clears throat> it
0: yes yes and and, <laughs> and and some some would argue this might be one of the greatest questions ever this is like our James Lipton question we feel great you know, about this question this this is, this is it this is what we do um, <clears throat> so here I'm gonna just pose it uh, top top five rappers or if you prefer, Top musical artists, performance artists, uh, uh, groups, it could be individuals because we are against hierarchy of this podcast. That's right. Your top five does not necessarily mean it's your top five. It could be just what you are feeling right now, what you are feeling listening to today. Yep. Or it could be like your solid top five. This is always what it's going to be. You catch me on the street, and this is what I'm going to tell you. That's right. All from here to eternity. Yep. You you can have you can have ties. You could have two, we call number that, three.
1: We call that the Eric Hale rule. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, you, I, you actually know Eric, so you yes, know. Yes, yeah, yeah. I see him.
0: Eric took it to top. I think top
1: fifteen, but yeah, yes. top five, and then the ten that would have been there if he was more. <laughs> see, Yes.
0: He's see, like, see. if I go to this house party, it's this top five.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but that's music. Music is about about your soul what are you feeling at that moment you know and so I tell people and that's a debate I always have with my students top five who you think are the top five best rappers is a much different list than who's your favorite top five that's right you know you got to understand that and just personally my five you may not like a single person but That's to me, these are the right. five people that speak to me the most. And right. yeah. I ranked them. I, I, I ranked them. I gave a lot of thought to this. All right. All right. All all right. All right. Now, keep in mind, I'm a Southern love boy.
1: a guest who prepares. <laughs>
2: I'm a, first of all, I'm a Southern boy. You got to understand that I grew okay. up okay. on the side. So number the five, Uncle Face, Scarface. Oh, I Star- love Star- it. Face mob love all day. It. Love Star- it. Oh. Face mob all day. Face you mob. Know I mean? <laughs> That's the truth. I mean. Face mob, he's he's the king of the sock from that point of view. All right, yes. then after face number four, just UGK, Painter's Bundy, Pimp C, UGK. <laughs> you know, I saw Bun B one time in the airport and was oh, too really? shook to even go up and ask. you like, I can't even, <laughs> order that I, I was like, it You're was like, like to me, it was like you know, meeting Obama to me. <laughs> no, yeah,
1: <laughs> I yeah. was but too shook to Bundy, go up and ask. He, he, he would have been like, wait a minute. Aren't you the national teacher of the year? <laughs> yeah. I'm mean, a you. I, UGK,
2: you know, Pimp C, rest in peace Pimp C. In yeah, Pimp. UGK, you know, me and my wife were about to move. And she's like, why is there a gigantic Pimp C poster? <laughs> and I'm like, why are you looking at that on the computer? Because I'm like, I'm about to order that for so, my man, case. That's, <laughs> right. that's right. Number three, Jay-Z. And I yeah. say Jay-Z. Strictly on the strength of reasonable doubt. I don't think people understand yeah. how yes, much
1: how, I oh, love reasonable doubt. I think that's
2: reasonable right. doubt right. to me is the best album. And then I went, my wife and I went to the Jay, it was the on the run tour. Okay. And it was like because like I I wouldn't I wouldn't have had Jay in my top five. Right. But going to that on the run tour and seeing him perform you know for why? like an hour straight and not miss on a single track. Bruh. And I was like, this is legendary because yeah. he is not saying one song that the crowd isn't bouncing. Like, I was just like, let me rethink this. Jay definitely goes up there, yeah. especially because of reasonable doubt, number one. Yes. But the fact he's performed for hours straight,
0: yeah,
2: with every with hits hit.
0: Like After to me. It's
2: it just hit, him. And Snoop, better and better. Him and Snoop are the only people that could do that in yep. to me.
1: Yeah.
0: Yep. You
2: know, no B sides. We can just go for hours to straight hits. Right. You That's know, right. and number two, now this is going to be controversial. I know a lot Uh-oh. of people. Uh-oh. Master P. Oh, Master P. P. Master P. P. Yes, oh, it is oh, more man, than just lyrics, it. but Master P. Master P. Represents black power, black autonomy, and black supporting rap.
0: Yes, you really, know. Yes,
2: because really. what he did, first of all, from a numbers point of view yeah. and selling albums. You ain't
1: ain't, ain't been mad. Touch it. You can't. I mean, and he was—he was he was he was, by, he was the definition of the hustle, right? Like, he I mean, did he did that exactly. All he was stealing out of the trunk Ten thousand
2: yeah. dollar insurance settlement and turned it into a two hundred and fifty million dollar empire.
0: That
2: you know what I mean? Rude. And just—I mean—I love the music because I'm—I'm a New Orleans cat. Yes. You no, know, yes. that's my favorite city in the United States. I oh, listen good. to bounce music. People tell me I like it. It. listen to it. I'll call it I next. love New Orleans. <laughs> And Master P represents New Orleans, but he also represents just Black independence and self-reliance.
0: That's right. And what
2: he did. Even the other day, he was talking about forming a union in rap to take care of artists when they get older. He was actually talking about that last week, you know? And so I I always respected the hustle of Master P. I love the music. I have literally every CD, every CD, no limit produced. And that's a lot. That's a lot. you no like nobody's business. You Man. know, now we're not gonna talk about. You know, I may have gotten them from a service that was a little illegal. Yeah, yeah we know. But, <laughs>
0: hey, but go at go the same time,
2: no. I bought them when they came out. I just lost them throughout the years. That's right. Yeah, exactly that's With the right. many right. moves. I I worked at Circuit City, so I remember I would buy two, three, <laughs> two or three No Limit albums a week. He was dropping them like that. It was, That's they right. Was yeah. Out couldn't,
1: like, keep they the was catalog, couldn't keep up with the catalog.
2: Exactly, and number one, number one. Pop. Here we go. Pop, pop, pop represents everything in rap. Pop represented the the social conscious... Yep. He represented the gangster. He yep. represented the ladies. Yep. He represented everything a rap artist should be. You know, and that, and that's why I always say everybody wants to be like Pac. Yeah. Everybody wants to be like pop. And it's why this,
1: this generation that that never actually listened to his music during his life, they mm-hmm. still stand Pac, you know? Yes. Like it says a lot. You can
2: relate to him. Everybody relates to the struggle. Yeah, you know, yeah, and he was know, in More like,
0: t-shirts, I, more t-shirts every day. Yeah, I, there, there's a handful. It's Snoop. It's Pac. Lately, Easy, Easy shows yeah. up. Yeah, there's a lot we're, of Easy. Seeing,
1: we're seeing there. some Wu Tang too. There's some Wu Tang that we start seeing. Yeah, later. yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, yeah. I mean, like even for me, like last week, I was having a tough time, and and I and I put on my headphones, and Changes came on, and I'm kind of like, yeah. man, this is so yeah. like no wonder. Yeah. Pa- Pac, also, you know, we interviewed Dr. I, King a while back, and, and Pac talks about the, the <laughs> complexity of Black identity and Black historical consciousness, and I think Pac really represents it's, complexity.
2: Thank you, and that to me is why Pac is number one, because he represented everything good and everything bad about Black culture. Mm-hmm. He was the complete circle. Yeah. You know, and that's why I love Pac. And that's why people love DMX so much. Because yes. at a time yes. when every when yes. Pac had just been died. Yep. DMX brought that authentic yeah. authenticity truest back self. to hip hop. You know what I mean? Self. And that's why people love X. Rest in peace, DMX. Rest in because peace. DMX was the next Pac. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't have the social conscious, he didn't have the, the vocabulary a right. social consciousness as pop. But With if you emotion. listen to a lot of his songs,
1: you He's can understand
2: some of the same ideas, some of the same struggles and right. everything. Well, and he and talked so about that,
1: things like addiction and he talked about things like mental health in such yep. raw and real ways. Emotion, yeah. Oh, and it,
2: and I, it was hard to keep X off of the top because then I realized that's emotion speaking right now because <laughs> the reality is on a daily basis, I don't put on X. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't do that. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yep, yep. And and the reason why? Cause X get me hype. You know, I'm not. Yeah,
0: sometimes I can't even. Like I started a Friday at work. No lie, I was listening <laughs> to X in the classroom. Yeah. And I was like, I need to call. I got like, I'm halfway <laughs> I'm down. through the day. I need to stop this. These kids are about to come in. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. knock out my <laughs> colleague. <laughs> and,
2: and I swear, the other day I spent an hour, maybe two hours on Twitter just scrolling
0: yeah
2: reading the authentic stories about DMX, DMX. Yeah. random people having pictures with DMX yes. and stories uh, yeah. DMX in a waffle house cooking yeah. his own food DMX in the parking lot racing RV toys yeah. with a group of kids you know yeah. even one of my students had a picture uh, of her and DMX she was like she was working at Wawa one night at a convenience store he came in with the munchies and he just Made time to take pictures with every person and
0: employee that's in the awesome. store. That, that's that's what I've heard over and over. That's beautiful, you know, and that's
2: and that and that's real. And I always respect the real the realness of people. That's why Pac is number one. Pac seems like that guy that you know he comes to a concert, and he can sit down and have a conversation with,
0: me. yeah,
2: you know, and yep. and it's not below him to talk to just any old body. Yeah. Whereas a lot of these rappers and people. I'm not going to talk to just any old person, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's why Pac is always going to be, and plus the music. is I mean, yeah. so, good. Music, so good. Troublesome? Oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah. Troublesome got me into so much trouble. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, I want to say I heard Hit Him Up at a really dark time in my life, and, <laughs> and I was like, I yeah. understand. <laughs> yeah.
2: I remember I, one day in class, I played 16 on death row for my students.
0: Yeah. Mm. yeah. Two of
2: them were in tears.
0: Yes,
2: two of them were in tears because they 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 they, they knew the third part of pop.
0: Mm-hmm. They
2: didn't know that deep intellectual pop. Yes, and so now it's like, okay, English teacher, we got some work to do. They they into pop. We can get this. Let's yep. get the rose. I I mean, I literally like no literacy specialist. Let's get the rose that grew from the concrete. Let's go, go you know, so the, it, they're it. interested. Let's let's grab it. You that's know, that's right.
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> well, Rodney Robinson. This has been amazing. Uh, we're so grateful for this time that you've spent with us. We love that top five. Um, yes, love. Yes, and more. I-, I fully endorse it. Fully, fully endorse. It. That's a 2 <laughs> endorsement. You. On that top five that will appear on uh, the playlist for the week that your um, that your episode comes out. So we'll have. Our, All right. We'll have our episode 94 playlist. We're getting close to 100. 94. Um, oh, if only it could have oh. been 96. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> 94. Oh, that's my graduation year. Uh, oh, there we go. You yeah. know, even though this was number 94, we definitely, you know, uh, Ronnie, you kept it 100 right now at, at this time. So we always, always in here. And uh, will you come back and get with us?
2: Always, man. This no. is fun. This is fun.
1: No, all yeah. right.
2: You know, this this wasn't just straight up. You know, some some of these podcasts are kind of just uh, you know, <laughs> go through the same old routine, and you know, but it's nice to have authentic experiences. Yeah, we, you know, and that's and that's what this is,
1: man. It's so it's, it's it all the energy energy that you bring to, and me and Kev can't help, um, <laughs> just being being who we are as well. So uh, we have a little way that we like to uh, yes. take it out um I, i'll ramble a little bit and um and then um,
0: hold on hold on what on, what, hold on what? hold on
1: oh okay oh
0: right roddy yeah. what are you working on
1: oh, right. and what's how can i
0: support you
1: okay me, yeah track what's going on that's right my bad
0: um rod
2: robinson rva rva rod robinson rva that's my twitter that's my Instagram, that's my website, riderobinsonrva.com. Yep. I'm currently still working in Richmond Public Schools. I'm not in the classroom. I am a senior policy advisor. Um, I've started a program called RVA Men Teach. And that cold goal of that program is to recruit and retain male teachers of color in Richmond Public Schools, because that's something yep. that yep. we the all the literature says. Kids do better when they have teachers of color. Black boys and brown boys right. do better when they had male teachers of color. Yeah. And so our goal as a district is to number one keep us in the classroom. Yes, that's number
0: one.
2: Yes, that's my goal. Like what, what's what's going on? I want to. I'm here to help you out to alleviate that invisible tax so that you don't you aren't driven out of field. And then after that, we got to recruit. We got to make better programs to get more teachers of color in the classroom. That's um, what's it? RVA schools.net backslash RVA men teach. That's the website. Go on, learn. We've done town halls. You know, virtual world has held up a lot of our work, but we got some real big partnerships coming down the pipeline of just developing students starting in high school. Cause I'm saying we got to stop asking black and brown people, why aren't they going to teaching and stop saying, what are we doing to push black and brown teachers? Out of the classroom, and yeah. so you know we can go on for that. But that's yeah. that's my current work, and you know I will say I blog, but maybe <laughs> I've had hard. It's hard writing right yeah. now. It's, yeah. You know we're in a pandemic, and especially in these past two weeks, with you know da- Dante Wright, rest in peace. Yes. You know, consuming this 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 Derek Chauvin trial, and mm-hmm. it's just a mm-hmm. lot going on. The, the incident in Virginia in Windsor, Virginia with the army colonel. Oh, yes, I, I know that, that brother, he went to the same college as me. And it's weird because I remember taking that road that he got put. I would go an out, hour out of my way to avoid that road because right. of that harassment wow. that you face by police. I literally, would, you know, when I dated a girl in Norfolk, I would go an hour out of my way to avoid going down that street. And so, so much Tragedies going on right now. It's hard to write, but I have some blogs nice. on my site and on Medium. Rod Robinson RVA on Medium, and so you can go read. Hope to have something up soon. But like I said, you know, some days it's hard to wake up right now without you, with the world bro. in the shape shape it is. For real.
1: But you know, we I hope to have something soon. And we'll link all that uh, to our site once the site is back up and running. And uh, yeah, definitely support. But Rodney's a great follow. um, So definitely follow Rodney's accounts and support this work because it's absolutely critical. So I'm gonna ramble a little bit. And then uh, when I give you the signal, we are all gonna try to say stay dope at the same time. So we're gonna try, it's okay if we're off, um, but that's how we like to take it out. So, for um, our guests today, 2019 National Teacher of the Year, Rodney Robinson, for my fearless, powerful partner, Kevin. Adams. I am Gerardo Munoz. I'm wishing you on these Tuesday vibes to stay strong, stay resilient, stay taking care of yourself, stay focused on the fact that there's only six Mondays left in Denver Public Schools semester, stay focused on your community, stay focused on justice, but above all and beyond, always stay Stay
2: dope.
1: Robinson really important question as we check our sound here so I want you to think back on young Rodney Robinson the the youngster in in school anytime in your k-12 education what is a behavior that young Rodney Robinson engaged in in school that might have been a little bit of an issue in grown Rodney Robinson's classroom
2: um well I was always in classes where I was bored and Every time I got in trouble in school, it's because I was bored. And it was all depending on the teacher, you know, because I was the type of student that if I got bored, I needed to entertain myself. <laughs> and so if I liked the teacher, we would I would take over the class discussion, but from an educational point of view, oh, just to sort of add to it <laughs> and keep it going. Yep. If I didn't like the teacher... Oh, my goal is just to ruin your day.
0: You know? <laughs> just to make it bad.
2: <laughs> yeah, just uh, whatever lesson you had means nothing because I don't like you, you know? And usually <laughs> if if I got to the point where I didn't like a teacher, it was because you've done something that That's I right. consider,
0: right. you know,
2: exactly. unethical or un- immoral or nope. you obviously treat people wrong. Yeah. You
1: absolutely. know,
2: you, know you, you could build a great teacher and I had no relationship for you, but if I had respect for you, then i treated you right that's but right. if i had no respect for you oh who knows where where things could have ended oh, for me you know? so, I feel, yeah. kevin I
1: feel, I feel like that's kind of similar to you kev <laughs> no i mean like as a as a kid not now as, as a kid <laughs>
0: yeah you know I, I i used to i used to um have, make fun as they say right and i i as and create fun in the classroom and Everybody, I can relate to that. There's some people that I didn't like, and so the fun that I created was very um, uh, dubious. And the ones that I did, it was it was educational. It was it was engaged. It was fun, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I di- I discovered another one, one of my behaviors that's problematic. And that in you know, Kevin and I were just in an equity team meeting, and so the other behavior I have that would have been a problem in my <laughs> current classroom is that I overreact to things, I get really mad. Like I, I pop off, I just get really mad. I'm like, why are we doing this? This is a waste of my time, this is ridiculous. We're not talking about these yeah. other things. And um, and myself as adult, Mr. Munoz, as I try to be really respectful and sensitive to students. So, so if a student like reacted like that, I would have been like, Gerardo, ke- can we talk, man? I'm really, I'm really sorry if I disrespected you, if I did something here. And, um, and then I tend to dial it back and engage, but I feel like I have to get mad about things before I can actually. Engage. And I, I yeah. feel like both, both of you have seen me do this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, mine it's is I angry shut down. Self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. It's good if I'm angry, yeah. If I'm angry, I shut down, you yeah. know? And my kids, my students even notice that. It's like if they come in and they see me quiet, then they picked up something's wrong. Yep,
0: yep you know, wrong.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and they, they'll even say, "Hey, chill, chill, chill," until we figure out what's wrong, Mister Rock. Have, have <laughs> you
1: seen um, Have you seen Last Chance You the basketball season? I, I saw
2: the first episode. I just haven't gotten past. That's, I've been so busy. I've been trying to get. That's to the what rest the coach
1: time. does. That's what the coach does. He'll just pace around the gym quietly, not saying a word, and all of the players are like.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's, the OG move, that's the that's the. I'm just disappointed. That's I'm right. Disappointed. Well, that's
1: what
2: I learned in anger management. If you're angry, <laughs> remove yourself from the situation because yeah.
1: nothing good is going to come. That's, right. that's, hey, that's actually. That's right. I, I. Wow. I. Just, I already learned something. I need to start doing that.